Okay. Hi, everybody. It is Ann Duffy, and this is our podcast for Dental Entrepreneur Media, and it is the future of dentistry. Welcome, everyone. I've got a very special guest, a dear friend, and one of our board members um, that we're hosting today on the podcast. Please help me welcome Dr. Sharon Parsons. Hi, Sharon. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you, Ian? I'm just doing fantastic. And I'm going to read your bio um, from the winter edition 2022 of Dental Entrepreneur, The Future of Dentistry. Dr. Sharon Parsons graduated from the Ohio State University College of Dentistry in 1981. She currently owns a group practice in Columbus, Ohio, and is a member of many professional organizations, including the Pierre Fauchard Academy, the International and American College of Dentists, and the Academy of Operative Dentistry. She was the recipient of the Lucy Hobbs Humanitarian Award and the Icons of Dentistry Award. That is her bio that she submitted to us. And I'm going to tease you, Sharon, because I know you. You've got so much more behind all that (laughs) as president of the ODA, Ohio Dental Society or organization, and, um, and just all that you do with your nonprofit. So you are way more than that little short bio, but I want to say welcome again to our podcast, and I'm so happy you're here. Oh, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. I always, uh, anytime I get to talk to you, it's a good day. It's a good day. It is. And so, okay. So for all of you that are listening, you know, we, this is our podcast is a little bit about real talk and we're talking a little bit about uh, Sharon's practice today and my life today and just in, in business, business in general. So, you know, all of you that are listening to this podcast, you have that entrepreneurial spirit, right? And so Sharon has had an amazing practice in Columbus, Ohio for all these years. Sharon, tell us a little bit of how you built the practice, where you started and, and what's happening now, especially bringing in um, an associate that is near and dear to your heart. Yes. Well, um, I've been with this office for um, 35 years. I started as an associate and I was an associate for a number of years before I bought into the practice. I was raising a family. I had kids at home. And back when I was married in the olden days, um, my husband traveled. He was in sales. So from Monday through Friday, I was a single mom raising two children. So, um, so I didn't work full-time then. Um, I tried to keep it part-time so I could have some time with the kids. Um, any of you who might have raised boys, it, it can be a challenge. So, uh, you know, I had, I needed to spend a little time with them. So, um, I bought into the practice and, uh, I was partners with someone and, um, that didn't really work out. So I bought him out and I've been the solo owner of the practice um, for a number of years now. Um, right now I have two associates. One is my son, Michael Herman, um, who's been with me about two and a half years, um, close to three, I guess he graduated three years ago. And uh, I have another associate who's, um, just going to be there for a year. So he'll be leaving, but, um, yeah, we're, we're, not that far from downtown Columbus. We're in a suburb, right outside a suburb called Bexley. Um, the practice itself has been in existence um, since the late 1950s. So it's a very established practice. We have patients that have been patients for over 50 years. Um, we have employees who've been there for over 40 years. Wow. So, uh, 
Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, it's my other family and it is a family. Yeah. That is a true, true family practice. Right. And Sharon, I've known you for a long time, but I didn't realize that you started out in this kind of, uh, not, I wouldn't say anything is part-time when you're in, in dentistry, but not working four or five days a week. So I think there's a lot of women that are probably listening to this too. And, and like, how did that work out? How many days were you working when the kids were little? Well, you know, I was working full-time and it, you know, it just got too crazy. Um, mm-hmm. And my kids uh, really let me know that they wanted me to, to be home with them more. So I went down to two and a half days a week okay. and I tried to make it days when I could, like I made one of the days Saturday when my husband was home and he could be with the kids so that they would be with a parent. Um, And then, you know, as soon as they got just a little bit older and they were, you know, in elementary school, I upped it to, you know, maybe three and a half days a week. Oh, that's that's a nice way to go. But it it worked out well. In fact, the fact that we had, um, you know, not just me, we had other dentists, it made it doable. I knew that my patients were taken care of. I didn't have to worry about them. And, you know, there were times that, you know, the kid, one of my kids would call and say, oh, mom, I forgot my lunch money, or, you know, I, I didn't feel good. We are such a family at the office. Somebody would go get them. And, uh, you know, people at the school knew, you know, people in my office. And it was just, uh, like I said, it was just an extension of family. And it it all worked out. Michael grew, who's my son, who's worked with me. Um, you know, the kids grew up in the practice. They both um, were uh, assistants at one point in time. They both got their radiographer, radiographer certificate. Um, and so they knew all about it and what dentistry was about and, you know, the good and the bad. Well, that is so cool. I, I love that. And I think that gives you an idea that, you know, it is a profession that has many layers to it in a lifelong um, career. And I, I love that. And I can relate to it because uh, my husband traveled all the time as well. And that's what I loved about hygiene that I could do, you know, two days a week. And I tried to cho- choose Tuesday and Thursday. So I always said that the kids were got sick on Tuesday, they could stay home on Wednesday, but we'd scoot them back out to school on Thursday. So mom could go and, um, and do her clinical, her clinical job, but somebody has got to be, somebody has got to be taking them to, uh, you know, basketball or soccer and then the lunches and, and all of those things. So it's nice right. that you had built a culture in the practice of a family because it, it takes, you know, it really does take a village, doesn't it? Well, right. And our, uh, I own the building um, and, and the building has always been owned by an owner of the practice. Uh, it used to be a furniture showroom, um, has an upstairs. Um, so at one point in time, we had um, one of our associates and one of our hygienists bring in a babysitter. They'd bring the kids, the babysitter would meet them there, and the kids would be there on site. Wow. I mean, you know what? When you, when you, when you own the practice and own the building and you're making the decisions, you can, you can do anything you want as long as you are um, living your own, to your own um, liking, your own culture, your core values, and, and, and you can pivot. I mean, who says you can't do something like that? That's so, that's very creative. Right. Because, you know, those, those two women that, that did that um, were lived on the other side of town. They probably lived 30 to 40 minutes away. And, you know, until their kids went to school, it was much easier for them to have them in the same location. So it really worked out well. 
man, that is like, that is so now because, you know, with COVID and, and, and people working from home and the kids are around all the time and they're feeling that, you know, realizing that you can do things differently and it can work. Uh, you were way ahead of the time of, of your time. Uh, so I, uh, kudos to you. That's, that's a really cool little nugget that I just learned today. So I'm, I'm loving that. Um, that is, those are the kinds of things that are the future of dentistry, aren't they? A little pivot and, and again, following your core values and, and what's really important. And you, you want your employees to be happy and, and, and calm and successful and so that they can devote their time to the patients and the practice. Absolutely. And I think, you know, sometimes you just have to find out what their needs are. And in this situation, that was their need and that filled it. They were wonderful employees and they stayed and uh, it all worked out. Everybody was happy. It was a win-win. That's so neat. I mean, that's a, that's a very humble leader. Um, I don't remember very often anybody asking me, what do I need as an employee? Cause I was an employee. Like, what do you need? Um, no, that never like came up, but again, maybe that is a little bit of your feminine leadership, Sharon, that is showing up here and um, making for a long lasting career for all those that come into your, into your office. I mean, it's, it's like you, you set the table and they're all welcome to stay, right? Right. Absolutely. But I want to pivot a little bit because you, you know, you've got, you have two sons, you had two sons. And um, one of the things that I love about you and that I, I learned about you when I met you at Icons of Dentistry and uh, shout out to Melanie Jones and Neltrogen who put that together. Cause if it weren't for Icons of Dentistry, you and I would not know each other. Um, I know. Well, you might've found due. So let's, let's just say you may have found due. So, because that's how we, we connect and build our, right. our relationships across the world. Um, but you're, you're, you were, um, you were highlighted and, and awarded um, the Icon of Dentistry Award and the Humanitarian Award from Lucy Hobbs. And I love Lucy Hobbs and Banco does such a great job with that. But tell us what was uh, the reason for that and, and tell us a little bit about how your nonprofit started and tell us a little bit about Sean. Okay. Um, well, I think the Lucy Hobbs Award came about and you talked about pivoting. Um, and I think it was because of a pivot that I made. Um, back in 2015, I lost my older son to an opioid overdose. Um, and I, I knew that I was going to do something. I wasn't quite sure what. Um, and, you know, one thing after another happened. And I formed a nonprofit called A Voice for Sean. Um, and it was uh, to prevent opioid overdose and, you know, bring awareness to, to opioids and bring awareness to addiction through education and advocacy. And, you know, it was kind of broad because I didn't know exactly what direction it would take it. So I wanted to leave it open because I know things like that can be very fluid. And I, and I wanted to be able to, as you said, pivot. Um, so I started educating. I thought I was in a, in a unique position as a prescriber and as a dental professional that I could educate prescribers in my case it's so far it's been in dentistry about opioids and about prescribing and about addiction um, we all knew about opioids we knew about pharmacology but what we didn't understand was addiction and we didn't understand that we were part of the problem because we were doing what we'd been taught to do um, so I was trying to make people aware uh, that things had changed 
and uh, you know, let them know, you know, it, 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 it was unwitting, you know, you didn't, no one meant to do anything, no one meant to cause harm, but now that it's there, we do need to understand it. We need to embrace the change and we need to change the way that we approach how we control pain, um, you know, how we manage pain. When I was in school, like you said, in 81, we talked about managing pain. Shortly thereafter, um, it, people started talking about eliminating pain. And that's, I think, when the problems started to occur. That's when Oxycontin came on the scene. And we all know, you know, about all the lies that, that they told and, and, the, and the direction that that took. But um, I needed something good to come out of this tragedy. So I, I just tried to um, see what we could do. And it was called A Voice for Sean because um, everyone who knew my son knew that he was never quiet. He was never a wallflower. He always had an opinion and he could talk. He could talk your ear off. I mean, so I thought A Voice for Sean was uh, a fitting name. I love that. I love that. I, I love that you're carrying on his legacy and that Sean is still making a difference in the world because, you know, unbeknownst to anybody back in the day, when I heard the story about how he, he got his hands on an opioid and it just affected him so profoundly that nobody could stop that that train, it seems like, right? You, you just, you, and so you don't even want to start it. And that's, that's where you come in. You really don't. Right. Because, um, and what I learned is between the ages of 13 and 26, your prefrontal cortex is still forming. And in that little 13 year period, if you're exposed to an opioid, you're five times more likely to become addicted. And that's wisdom teeth for dentistry. And for, you know, for medicine, it is sports injuries, middle school, high school, and college. And I've talked to so many people and so many parents, um, you know, because I, I, I'm in those groups as well, parents that have lost children. And they talk about it all started when my daughter got her wisdom teeth out. It all started when my son hurt himself playing football. Um, so, you, you know, you just don't, with my son, it started with four pills. And, you know, he worked, he liked it, and he went back for more. Um, and, you know, they, they think that they're invincible in those ages, too. Um, and they get themselves in a situation that they can't get out of. Um, and addiction is a horrible, horrible disease. So, you know, back then, uh, rehab was kind of a one and done. You're in for 10 days and you're done and, you know, go to meetings and good luck. So we now know that, you know, you should be in a residential uh, setting for probably three months. And those are the most uh, successful, but, you know, that's how it was back then. Yeah. But you're, you're, and you're getting that message out and that's, you know, there's so many things that you just said there that, that, you know, now we know, right. So what are we doing about it? And the other things, Sharon, that is, is, it just really strikes me is that it can happen so so easily. And I think maybe back in the day, it wasn't easy to get more of the, uh, the pills that are out there. And I don't know if that's true or not, but now it just seems like, you know, whatever you want, you know, there's a smorgasbord and, and, and with the internet and all the different things that are, that are available, you know, it, it's got to, 
come from willpower if you get hooked on something like that, they can so easily like start with four pills and then it's a slippery slope and you just cannot climb out of it. And, and right. Actually, back then you could get things easily. Oh, really? Okay. On the street. Uh, and actually good stuff um, because people were prescribing like it was candy. I mean, people would be prescribing 30 pills at a time with a refill. Um, and, you know, when people didn't, what was happening was if people didn't use them, they either sold them um, or they kept them in their medicine cabinet for when they might hurt themselves. And then a relative comes over or one of your children or one of your children's friends and gets them from the medicine cabinet. So they're, they're, they were pretty readily available then. Um, what my son learned in rehab was unfortunately was that you know, he became um, addicted to Oxycontin. Um, he learned that Oxycontin is synthetic heroin. And uh, then uh, he also discovered that heroin is pennies on the dollar. So, you know, that, that was a, that was a horrible slope to go down. Wow. And he tried and you tried and you, you, you worked so hard and it's, it's every parent, it's a parent's, every parent's nightmare. I mean, you know, uh, when something like that takes over and there's, there's really not much anybody can do because the you know, it's, it's, it's stronger than any pull, um, that might come from, from you. It has to come from that person on the inside and they're young. And when they're young, you right. know, uh, the, the brain isn't, like you said, isn't formed. So, you know, really makes you think about, um, paying way more attention to that age group going forward. Yes. And then again, the fact that any dentist would prescribe, um, Oxycontin for, extractions of wisdom teeth in this day and age is, is pretty right. much insane. Is it still, and is it still going on, Sharon? It a Most states um, have enacted laws that uh, curb prescribing for, for acute pain. And we've really worked hard to try to get that to happen. Um, uh, when I say we, uh, organized dentistry. Um, the Ohio Dental Association and the American Dental Association. The American Dental Association was the first healthcare organization to even have an opioid, an interim opioid policy where we talked about it. And in our policy, we, um, we advocated for uh, mandated continuing education about addiction. Um, so there was some pushback on that because people don't like mandates. But, um, you know, it, it, it won out and uh, we had the same thing in Ohio. Um, so everyone, you know, learned about it. And in fact, I gave um, a webinar. Well, I, yeah, well, they, well, I guess I gave CE and they just recorded the CE. Um, I speak with, a, with an oral surgeon. And um, so we gave um, a program and they, they videotaped it and they added uh, another person to it as well. And so we made it available to every um, member of the Ohio Dental Association for free. That's, that's great because again, education it is educating. Right. And again, you know, so good that you've had that platform, which brings you back to um, what organized dentistry had done for you because you kind of fell into organized dentistry and then learn to love it and learn the power of it. Yes. And again, this is where we need everybody to come together. And, and you're doing that. Well, right. Um, and, and I think what I talked about when I, when I wrote the article for you is um, 
you know, there, there are a lot of organizations that are absolutely wonderful, um, you know, dental entrepreneur, dental entrepreneur woman, um, you know, and it's so dear and dear to my heart. But, you know, there are so many outside forces right now that want to control our profession. Um, insurance companies, there are some government things. Um, so most things go through the legislature that happen. And lawmakers, you know, being, um, being involved in organized dentistry um, at the state and at the national level, I've discovered that lawmakers don't really care what you have to say unless you represent over half of your profession. So wow. that's what happened. That's what happened to medicine. Their numbers dropped down to like 30%. So, you know, the American Medical Association had very little power um, with insurance companies, with, with the government. Um, so you have to maintain an organization that has over, that represents over 50% of dentists. So it, right now, the only thing that does that is the American Dental Association, your state dental association, and you know your 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 whatever your your city is. You know you, it's a tripartite. So um, they're the they, what they do that nobody knows behind the scenes. Um, they advocate for you all the time. There are so many fines that we'd be paying, so many taxes we'd be paying on certain things. Um, and most of the time, you know, it's taken care of before it ever becomes an issue and before anybody ever knew that it was going on behind the scenes. But, you know, if we lose that, if, if the American Dental Association, the membership drops below 50% of the dentists in the country, we lose our lobbying power. Wow. Hello. If you're listening, <laughs> if you're yes. listening, join the ADA. Yeah, this is what is, you know, like any other, anything else, is the ADA perfect? Absolutely not. And there are days where I could strangle them. But, you know, it's, it, it, I don't want to be like medicine. I don't want to be governed by insurance companies. I don't want, you know, I don't want all of that regulation. Um, you know, we'd all be doing, um, there would be a dental, there would be a dental portion in Medicare. And we would all be involved in that being received, you know, receiving very little compensation and the ADA advocated, you know, for us on that issue. So um, also McCarran-Ferguson, if anybody knows what that is, uh, that's like the antitrust bill. So dentists are not allowed to, like, I could not call another dentist and say, hey, what fees are we going to charge? Let's get together and decide. And are we going to take Delta? Are we going to take MetLife? Let's all decide what to do or who to, who to, you know, work against. We're not allowed to do that. When that law was, you know, written, insurance companies, health insurance companies, dental insurance companies were exempt from that. So they have been colluding this whole time legally. Mm. Um, just within the last year, after working on it for over 20 years, it passed that they are no longer allowed to do that. Now, is it gonna, are we going to see a, a change initially, you know, dramatically right away? Probably not. But I'm hoping that over time, it will benefit us. Wow. Well, there's power in numbers. And this is good, great information for, for our listeners. 
because it gives it a different, a different reason. And like you would say, like, what are my dues? Why should I pay these dues? What, what, where is it going? I don't feel like I'm getting anything, but actually it's so much bigger than any one person. And to, to right. explain it the way you just explained it to me, um, it, it's very powerful, Sharon. And I, and I hope that uh, we can continue to have the autonomy in our, in our profession and, and not be um, mandated by the business and the insurance companies because they, their, uh, their greatest um, goal is not necessarily for the patients we serve. Yeah, you know, their greatest goal is is to make money. Yeah, you know, they're they're not a nonprofit; they're a for profit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have to we have to definitely unite together, and I thank you for that. And Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that today, and also thank you for sharing about Sean. I, I, I. Where where can they find more information on on just like to, what to subscribe, what to prescribe, and and how to to take that um, prescription out of their office and out of their their um, um, protocol. So where can we find all that information, Sharon, and how can we support a voice for Sean? Okay. So I do on a voice for Sean, it's, and Sean is spelled S E A N. Um, I have a website, a voice for I have lots of links, lots of information. Also your, every state has its own prescribing um, laws. So if you go to your state dental association, um, they should have a lot of information as well. Um, so if you can't find it at your state, go to my website um, and go to the links and it should direct you to a lot of different things and uh, get the information you need. And if you don't find what you need, contact me on the website and I will be happy to personally get back with you and try to find the answers that you need. That's wonderful. And you're speaking out there too on this. I know. And that's one of the things that you're starting to do is get around the country and speaking and who better to speak than someone that has lived it right on both sides. Right, Sharon. So I applaud right. you for, for being uh, vulnerable and, and, and humble in Thank you. the fact Thank you. that you are, are really putting yourself out there to make a difference and to, and to carry on Sean's legacy and something very important for all of us in our profession. So I'm going to wrap it up today and say, thank you, Sharon, um, for being with us. We love you being on our board. You've been a, a big part of dental entrepreneur, the future of dentistry for a long time and a long time coming. It will be. So, um, thank you everybody for joining us last, but not least, I hope that you will all continue to do you. Thanks, everybody.